Hi guys, I'm Jess. And I'm Heidi. Welcome to another episode of Fitty Squared. Hooray! Today we are looking at chapter 49, Firewalk With Me, which I was like, surely that can't be a movie. But turns out Firewalk With Me is actually the episode name of, uh, or the, the title name of an episode of Twin Peaks, which Alice Cooper got her big break in. Oh, now, yeah. How do I pronounce her name? Is it Madchen? I have no, I can't remember. I know I've heard it, but I don't know. I want to say Madison, but I'm sure that's incorrect because of the accent over her, over the A on her yeah. name. It's not Madison. No, but every time I see it, that's just what my brain thinks. I'm like, cool, that's Madison, even yeah. though I know it's not right. <laughs> But I don't know whether the writer did this deliberately or not, but I thought that was really cool how they kind of were like, yeah, she was in this and that was the name of that. And let's create this episode of Riverdale with that same title. Could be a coincidence, but something like Firewalk With Me is pretty specific, I would think. Yeah, no, I think that that's uh, definitely thoughtful like they did that on purpose I've also heard people compare (laughs) it's a funny it's a it's a funny um comparison but I think it's pretty accurate I've heard people say that Riverdale is Glee and Twin Peaks put together Glee and Twin Peaks kind of yeah because there's this thing and then there's also the murder and it's like that's actually pretty apt yeah, I feel like I would agree with that. Um, I remember when I first started watching Riverdale, somebody was like, oh, if you like Riverdale, you'll love Twin Peaks. And I, I was really confused. I started watching it and I'm like, wait, why is everybody talking about Twin Peaks? This is from like the early 80s. And then I I saw uh, some kind of, you know, synopsis thing online where, yes, it was a series that was done in the 80s and then they revamped it, um, you know, it, the, the last couple of years. So I didn't quite make it through because the 80s version was really painful. The first <laughs> couple of episodes, I was like, oh, I'm not sure if this is for me. But now having, you know, seen a bit more of Riverdale and heard more about Twin Peaks, I think I probably could go back and do a good rewatch. Uh, but it's going to have to wait because at the moment I'm rewatching The Vampire Diaries. <laughs> oh, that's a classic though. So, you know. Girl, I forgot how much I loved that show when it was first on. And, you know, like some other TV shows, you sometimes fall off the wagon and then you're like, okay, I have no choice but to go back to the start and rewatch everything because it's been so long since I've watched this uh but the vampire diaries I never actually finished and I think I may have mentioned it last episode I can't remember but I've been watching legacies which is the the continuation of you know what happens after the Salvatores kind of move on and I had no context I was so confused and I was like wait are they talking about like they kept mentioning Caroline and then they kept mentioning her as mom and I'm like wait I'm so confused so I've gone back to rewatch the vampire diaries to give some context to what legacies is all about oh yeah legacies would be confusing if you didn't see the end I also didn't I fell off the wagon with a vampire diaries but instead of but I like I fell off the wagon with it I watched original the original spin-off show that they had for a season or two um, and then I would go back and I would look and just see what was going on in Vampire Diaries. I'd be like, okay, there, t- those people are together. Oh, that happened kind of. And like, I would jump back in every now and then, um, but not watch everything fully. But I do this thing sometimes and not always because I am when I want to be a completionist. But if I really can't get into it, and the show ends, I will jump back on just for the finale. And that is something I definitely did with Vampire Diaries. So I got to see how it ended, but I didn't have to watch all the stuff in between that I didn't care about. So what you're saying, if I'm reading between the lines, is I must go ahead and finish this out and watch the finale of Vampire Diaries. 
I mean, I mean, live your best life, whatever you want to do. It, it, I can definitely see how legacies wouldn't make sense because there were definitely things in the finale where I was like, huh? <laughs> you did right. that? Okay. Well, that's weird. All right. So I can definitely yeah. see how it's totally different than how we started out with Vampire Diaries. Right, completely. And I, um, I know some things about the way the Vampire Diaries ended, but I need to see it all to really have that context for myself, I think. And yeah, with Legacies, they were talking about this and I was like, okay, cool. She's Klaus's kid. I was like, I think I watched originals up to that point. So I get who she's, she is. And then I'm like, wait, but wasn't he dead? And now he's here and now they're referencing him. I'm like, I'm so confused. So yeah, I've stopped Legacies for the moment and I've gone back to kind of go through everything and give myself some context. And suddenly this is a podcast all about Vampire Diaries, origin, originals and uh, Legacies. <laughs> Hi, welcome. (laughs) You were here for Riverdale. Joke's on you. (laughs) That is not what you're getting. No, I'm joking, of course. Uh, It was just uh, in true Betty fashion, we do like to um, segue into random other things. Oh, goodness. But yes, I'm thoroughly enjoying my rewatch. I will go back and watch uh, Twin Peaks at some point to, yeah, see sort of where Alice Cooper first got her start. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about starting Twin Peaks at some point, but I have this weird issue with old shows. Like X-Files, I tried to, I was like, oh, that's a show I should really watch. I, I never really watched it because I was a kid when it aired. Um, right. And uh, I tried to go back and rewatch it, but the quality is so poor, um, I could not do it. I can kind of like go back and do like like Buffy or Friends, but things beyond that, lower quality, I I can I just can't watch. I just can't do it. Right. Yeah, I I'm kind of the same. I went back and tried to rewatch uh the original Dark Shadows, which was like 70s, I think, and that was painful. But anyway, Thankfully, when we did our recap of Riverdale, when we went and did a, a rewatch of everything, it was not painful. It was no. enjoyable. No. Exactly. Now, where would you like to start? Because I actually, I have quite a few notes about this episode. Um, I mean, we can just start at the beginning because my very first note is just, yes, Betty, because she Which is very um, much mine too. All of the shit that she was saying to her mom, it was just so good. I, I, I was living for her in the beginning. I was too. I was like, this is just perfect. And I I wrote, I love how she's trying to jeopardize the selling of um, her house. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, Alice has just gone off the deep end. And I, I don't know whether we can redeem her. You know, I don't know whether... Yeah, we're gonna see what happens with Alice. I mean, ever since the beginning, she's kind of. It's funny how her being an occult has uh, has made me stop. What did I used to call her? I can't remember, but there was something. You were very adamant about it. You were very like, oh, she was on drugs. She was on. She was on pills. Right. Yes. And she's definitely not anymore. She's on a different kind of drug. She definitely has an addictive personality. I can I can spot that in a second. Um, but and it's weird how her being an occult has made me like just accept her, that about her a little bit more. Like I don't comment on it at all anymore because it's like, oh yeah, she's fucking crazy because she's an occult. Um, right. But yeah, I think the only thing that's ever really redeemed. It's interesting because in the whole. We're at like almost three full seasons now, or like three and a half seasons, or two and a half seasons now. Um, mm. The one thing that's always redeemed Alice is Betty. Right. So if she loses Betty, if Betty gives up on her, which Betty I don't think will, but if she, if it goes beyond that, then there's no redeeming her. If she does something to Betty that Betty finally for once can't forgive, like, I don't know, giving away your house or like 
giving away your college money, uh, I don't know, um, or, or murdering someone. I don't know what it will take, but that's when she's irredeemable. But as long as Betty's around and, and loves her mom, we got Alice, you know? Yeah, I agree completely. It's, yeah, it's it's strange because I feel like they, the, they, and I mean the writers, or even the developers, the creators, whoever you want to, you know, reference in this statement, I feel like they don't know how to write for Alice. I don't think they know what direction she's going in. I mean, if they don't, then I don't know how to even feel about that. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, that's, you look at the story arc that, uh, that Alice has had. There's no sort of consistency or anything. No. And that makes me, that makes me nervous for her. And if I didn't like her as an actress so much, I kind of would be like, meh, whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. The actress saves her 100%. Like, she's so fun and she's such a great actress. Yeah, I can't imagine. If anyone else played her, it would just be like, you're so unlikable. Go away immediately. Because she's almost right. there already, but Matt exactly. or however you say her name, saves her. I know. I know. This is driving me nuts because it's, ah. Oh. I want to say like Madchen, but I know that's not right. I want it to be Madison so badly because I can say that. <laughs> oh, God. Madison, that could be our nickname for her. Did you know that Betty's house was on Elm Street? No. They said that? I totally missed that. That's so funny. Betty says it. When she's going in to jeopardize like the selling of this house and stuff, she's like, um, you know, this, this, and this. My dad was a serial killer. Oh, you can look it up if you want. Just Google it. Look up blah, 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 house on Elm Street. Ah. And I was like, wait, is she making a joke about this? Or is her house actually on a street that is called Elm Street? Just thought it was interesting. I was like, wait, what? Elm Street? Yeah, that that's funny because that would be too, uh, too old horror movie. Uh. Uh, illusions in this episode yeah exactly perhaps I don't know again I don't know whether to take her seriously in that moment or whether she's just like trying to make it out like it's like the crazy killer house you know yeah I don't see if she wants them to really look it up because she also said her mom's you know uh, married name I feel like she is legit trying to get them to to look it up because if you look it up you'll see how bad it it kind of was yeah yeah, exactly. Also, exactly. yeah, no one in the neighborhood is, or no one in Riverdale is going to buy their house because everyone in Riverdale knows. So yeah, they got to just sell to, what did she say, an overseas buyer? Who do you think, who do you think bought their house? I was just about to say, um, I wrote a note about that. I said, who do we think is the anonymous buyer of the Cooper house? Um, I think Alice refers to it as she said, oh, you know, one of some anonymous buyer, probably somebody from overseas. I think it's probably to do with Hiram and all these expansions and stuff that he's doing. But I don't know. I could be wrong. Oh, I was Are thinking you- that it was the farm. Uh, yeah. But that seems weird. Because they could easily just, because she would tell them, oh, I'm selling my house or whatever. And they could easily be like, well, why don't you just turn it into a place for us to go and we'll buy it from you. And they buy it for super cheap or something. But so the only reason I didn't think it was the farm was because that's what they would do. They would like move in there and stuff and they'd all live there together. But Alice is like packing up all her stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the only reason I was kind of like, oh, maybe it's not the farm. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if if that's a thing that even matters. It, like, right. it was actually just an overseas buyer who wanted to settle down in Riverdale. Exactly. It could just be a throwaway comment. Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. 
Cheryl has a line and, you know, I often pull her lines, but they're just so great. And I, I do love the way that the writers write for her because I think they've really got that heightened text or that heightened um, dialogue that Cheryl speaks with down pat. And, you know, initially when uh, I think the serpents are in the classroom and then the farmies come in and they're like, excuse me, you need to leave. Oh, no, no, it's not the serpents. It's like the ghoulies playing D and G and G. And then Cheryl comes storming in with the pretty poisons and is like, uh, excuse me, daughter yes. of Manson. And then she's like, oh, I loved it. I was like, yes, I love that people know that it's a cult. I mean, no one's doing shit about it, but it's, still. It's becoming uh, more known. Yeah, I ha- that was my second note. I love that. That made me so happy. Me too. Me too. Like I said, the writers just do a really good job of giving her those amazing one-liners. Speaking of Cheryl, what do you think's going on with her and um, her feelings towards Tony? Um, I don't know. I didn't. Because there's yeah there and it's like people fight or whatever in in relationships like that's that's true and accurate but there's like my note my note about choni cheryl and tony in this uh episode was ew there's weird blackmailing going on with them like they're there's a weird like blackmail like they kind of like blackmailed each other and like stuff and it's weird uh I I really don't and I mean I talked about it last episode of where I hoped it wouldn't go and it's I I don't know with them I don't understand what that storyline's trying to be I still don't think it's going in the direction that you're frightened it will um I know you were you were concerned that it would turn into some sort of um, emotionally abusive kind of relationship. I don't. I still don't think it's going that way. I just think that Cheryl is having trouble letting Tony be in charge. I think Cheryl wants to be in charge. I think she has been for a really really long time and she is really struggling with being told no and being put in her place. Yeah, that might be true. I mean, that that's that is true that that Cheryl has never really been told no. I mean, no, I don't even think that's true now that I'm saying it out loud because I feel like Cheryl was probably told no while also being told yes often by her parents a lot. We know that they didn't really love her very much and they preferred her brother and so I don't think it's impossible for Cheryl to have have never heard to have heard no. She I think that's very possible for her. I feel like she I mean it's why she stayed in the closet. It's because she was told, No, you can't be that way. So maybe there's some of that in that in her newer life when she like right. like left her mom's home and she she got the her own home for herself and she got the inheritance that she's more comfortable with not hearing no anymore. Um, But even then, just the way that Tony's going about it, maybe I just, I have a preference to Cheryl. So when I see her being treated this way by someone who she's in a relationship with, because it's like characters treat each other similarly in different, you know, capacities and different, friendships and stuff like that but this is a person who she trusts so much and I just don't like the way that she's talking to her I don't know what it is man I, I don't know I I don't know what's going on yet but it's weird because I I'm not finding myself sympathetic towards um towards um uh Cheryl's needs or whatever I I'm finding I'm getting bratty I'm not getting like emotional abuse or you know not being included or put down or anything like that I'm just getting things aren't going her way so she's trying to make it difficult for Tony yeah I mean maybe that's what they're trying to do but 
Madeline Pitt, like, Pesh is so good, I side with her. Like, she's such a good actress. Like, I, maybe it's her micro expressions. Maybe I'm reading more into, maybe it's a, maybe it's an issue of, and I mean, we haven't really gotten to see a lot of Tony, so we don't really know her chops yet. But even then, we shouldn't have to see each see a person a ton to, like, if they have a natural on-screen talent, you kind of just see it. So maybe it's just that Madeline, for me, for my actor preference, preference or um, acting style preference, she's so good that she just outshines Tony so that I don't side with her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe that's it. I don't really know. I don't really know why I feel this way with Cheryl. I just, something something feels weird in my gut. And maybe maybe it is just that I prefer Madeline's acting. And she outshines her to me. So, of course, I'm going to do it because she's sure. showing me. Yeah, that, I, can, I can understand that. That, that makes sense. Um, I guess, again, I feel like I just need some more context. And then once I have that, I'll be able to, you know, go from there. I'll be able to work out what it is is going on with the two of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I need like another two episodes and I think I'll be good. I think I'll have worked out something who I'm will be figured with. out by then, hopefully. I also think it's exactly. weird that I thought this Pretty Poisons uh, storyline was not going to be as big as it is. And it's kind of like, I'm not into it. I also just don't really like the whole gang thing. Like, that's going on right now. As someone who grew up in a town who did have gangs, this is not what they look like, and this is not what they're actually like. This is just, like, kids in a club who, like, sometimes do bad things. And and on that as well, let me comment that the school's principal is so fucking terrible at his job. What principal on the face of the fucking earth pulls in two teenagers into his office and says you are the leaders of your gang you need to pull your your gang members back in line what school representative would ever freaking do that none (laughs) but he's almost he's almost encouraging gang behavior yeah he's like i don't care about this you can do this or whatever but just do it better just like stop fucking up oh my god i like lost my mind when he's like you are the leaders of your gangs i'm like you're using the word gang and you're telling these kids to go fix the problem when you're the adult here and you're the person in a position of you know seniority and power you go fix the problem (laughs) and likewise at the end as well you know when when um the ex-ghoulies have fangs upside down by the ankles tony has enough time to run grab jughead bring him back then you know jughead's able to have that dialogue etc before fangs falls where the fuck is the principal where the fuck is any yeah. teacher? Have we, we're, we don't even, there's not even like a teacher who's like the teacher, you know, like there's not like a, um, oh, I'm trying to think of any of the teachers from Boy Meets World because there were like a couple. Uh, or if you think about like Saved by the Bell. Okay, we're from different generations, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> my my team show growing up as a kid was Boy Meets World. <laughs> I didn't really watch okay, Saved by the so Bell. You're a baby. I watched Saved by the Bell and like Degrassi and all of that, but like the first generation of Degrassi, not this new Degrassi that's come out now. When you say um, first generation, because there's so many generations of Degrassi. Drake, Drake. I watched first, that one too. Generation. I did, I did. Oh, you it had did? reruns on the N network, I and I would watch those. Okay, so I'm talking about like I watched them 
as they went on the TV. Like, yeah, sorry, I three runs. I was in high school. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so old, and I'm not that much older than you. But now I feel like I'm a hundred. It's that, it's that oh, cusp because we're both close to like, you know the the eighties, nineties, like the nineties, like gap, like. So we're both close yes. to it. So I am early 90s kid who got like all of the beginning of the 90s stuff, who got some of the 80s stuff, but not enough of it. Right. I'm like late 80s, very like, early 90s. So I'm just yeah, a little yeah. bit before And I feel you. like there's a interestingly like big gap between, because my, I'm the only 90s kid in my like family. Like my brothers and sisters are, uh, are both 80s kids and that's can be such like a big gap in a in a weird way because of that just like that 80s 90s like difference it's weird it is you think like it's just a couple of years yet here we go we are talking about I'm talking about Saved by the Bell and you're talking about Boy Meets World I'm not actually 100% sure if we got Boy Meets World Mm -hmm. in Australia I think if we did it would have been on cable, and my family never had cable growing you gotta, up. So you should watch; it's good. That one. okay? I'll add that to the list after Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that um, I've commented on before uh, on this podcast about Riverdale is how they have this ability to tell the audience a brand name, but not actually say the brand name. So I think last week we were talking about like. 23-hour fitness versus 24-hour fitness. And there's been other instances as well where the show has done things like that, like, you know, G&G versus D&D. But we know it's the same thing or ish. I don't know if you caught it, but in this episode uh, when, when Hiram is drinking at uh, at Veronica's speakeasy and uh, she's like oh so you know you're gonna pay for this right and he's like no I'm not gonna pay for this because you owe me all this money she makes a comment about so I'm putting this on your American excess right (laughs) and I get that one that one I'll give to them because that is something Veronica would would say because she's like you're being excessive are we gonna put this on the American excess but then at the same time, if the show hadn't done stuff like this before, I would have given that to her. So at the same time, I'm like, mm, you really mean American Express. You're just trying not to say it because then you have to pay royalties. Yeah, I mean, they love to do that. That's their just their favorite thing. But I think it's become a new favorite thing of me to like seek it out just and find it. Because every time I get it, I feel really smart. Well, good for you. You are really smart, Jess. You are. <laughs> but you know when you have those little moments of, aha, you tried to trick me, but I got it. I caught you. I'm smarter than the TV writers. Right, which I know they're not putting it in there to, to you know, be like, oh, we're going to try and hide this. They're being very obvious about it, but it does crack me up because um, it's just every time I see it, I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is. I caught you. <laughs> didn't get away with it because I know that you're just trying not to pay licensing fees and all of that. It's also really an interesting like dichotomy between season one and then like season two and beyond to where we are now because season one they were so heavily at it like uh they had such heavy like product placement for CoverGirl. I remember. Yeah and we are. It's interesting that you bring that up because just as I was commenting before, I was like, oh my God, season one, they really did some product placement with CoverGirl. Mm -hmm. I remember like anything, it was the little pink bottle and of mascara and it was on Betty's dresser. She was getting ready. The camera like caught the image and then panned up as Betty was putting it on her eyelashes. Yeah. I feel like it was almost every episode, if not like every other episode. Yeah, and then now we've gone the polar opposite. But I wonder if that was done of being like, hey, I think we're going to have a really successful show. 
but we're not sure. So let's try and get some product placement to get a bit more money behind this show. And then once we get going, we just won't do it anymore. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Or the contract just ran out and they were like, oh, we're doing well enough on our own. We don't need to re-up it. Yeah. But again, interesting. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I can't wait for the next one. And I'm going to be like, Heidi, I found another one. Oh, I look forward to it too. <laughs> oh god because you know how like looking up the episode's name to see if there's a movie that correlates kind of just came organically as we started doing this podcast now it's like my thing I do it every single episode and I feel like this is my next thing me trying to find them being sneaky we never we we decided not to ever do segments on this show except for the beginning and except for the end and now we're gonna have a middle segment where we've Sorry. It'll be Jess's sneaky corner or something like that. Oh, no, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> Jess's sneaky corner. That sounds sexual. Sorry. What happens in Jess's sneaky corner? What happens in Jess's sneaky corner? Stay tuned to find out more. <laughs> not for this episode. So wait, wait for next time. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to think of a much better name because, yeah, sneaky corner is, that's not good. oh gosh what's your next note my next note is um it was it was the music behind it was the music in the this episode in general there was something different about it I feel like it was musically produced by someone different or they just were feeling like a different way this episode and I was into it um okay so there was music behind the pre-fight scene so like when all of the when the farmies come out and the ghoulies are there and the, um, I'm just, we're decided, we've decided we're just calling them the ghoulies and not the stupid gargoyle gang. Cause like one of the same thing and it's all oh, right. Yeah. Gargoyle gang, whatever. But mm-hmm. Ghoulies is easier. So they're, they're ghoulies. Um, and then Cheryl comes out and they kind of start that little fight. And then into the fight scene, there's this weird boppy music and I was so into it. It was so fun. And then later on, I think it's behind, I didn't say exactly where, but I made a note like, ooh, more cool music. I believe it was behind Betty making her last decision of the episode, which we can talk about later. Um, I can't wait to talk about that. Oh my God. Um, but there was also a cool like music going on and I was just really into it this episode. So I've just looked up as you were talking about that I just looked up on IMDB to see who the uh composers were for that episode but they are the same composers that do the music every time okay so they were just feeling away I don't know I liked it yeah maybe they were having a boppy kind of day yeah it was good I don't quite remember it off the top of my head I would have to go back and make a pointed effort of uh you know listening to it again I do remember there being something very boppy, especially at the end. It was a little bit, you know, it wasn't so, like, foreboding or, you know, dramatic. It was a lighter kind of feel, considering how the episode ended. Um, So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What about you? What's your next note? My next note is, um, yeah, there's a kid in the closet. I've got a great idea. Let's take him to the diner and feed him and not call the police. Because we're Archie Andrews and we're a dumbass. This whole storyline. I... Like, I thought it was sweet. I feel like it's very Archie to want to, like, take care of... It was strangely paternal of him. Yeah. Um... Which we just haven't really seen before. Archie doesn't really, Archie doesn't really take care of anyone, let alone himself. Exactly. Or any of the people, like, he's not really, other than, like, aggressively, like, hyper-masculinely, that's not a word, whatever, um, (laughs) like, protecting Veronica or whatever, we really haven't seen him take care of someone, like, be... I don't know, other than that aggressive kind of, I'm going to fight you kind of way. So that was nice to see. It's it's cool to see that that's in there, that 
that he can. I don't. But it's just like, why did we have to see that with this random kid? I don't know. So, I rewatched this episode this morning because I knew we were recording today, and ah, oh God. I'm at the point where, like, I can't even watch scenes with Archie in them anymore. So I'm watching it for the second time, and literally Archie opens his mouth, and I'm just like, no! Because I just feel like he's going to do something stupid. And we've said time and time again, his heart is in the right place. He always wants to do the right thing. But he never goes about it in a sensible way, and he always ends up being the one that suffers. Yeah. I just, I'm at my wits end with him. I'm not sure how much I can tolerate before I lose my mind and, like, kick my TV. You get me? Yeah, no, no. It's super valid. I thought he was more tolerable this episode because we were seeing a different side to him. But by the end of it, when it all, when the truth came out, I was like, oh, of course. I think, what's my note? Uh, (laughs) I just said, of course Archie is duped by a kid. Of course. Because it's Archie. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that sort of, you know, goes back to the comics as well and him being clumsy and, you know, but it's like enough is enough. Like you're starting to make me not like the main character of this show and I mean there's shows where you're supposed to you're not supposed to like the main character like anti-hero I can't think of any right now but they exist and I cannot think of it and that's annoying (laughs) person I can think of um but this was also more of a comment from um their personal life as well is that um that chick from Orange is the New Black. Yes. Yes. The the main girl. Yes. So allegedly, she's very difficult to work with. And if you have a look at one of the seasons, not the season that just came out, but the one prior, she's barely in it. You know, she is the main character, but she's barely there. Yeah. I mean, that show got better when they – when they started showing less scenes of Piper. Yeah, Piper is a great is a great example because she's the main character and you're following her journey, but she's not a good person, she's not a likable yeah. person, and that's okay. The main character doesn't have to be those things, but it usually has to be like a decision, like from the beginning, this is what and and the, the writers make that clear to you, but that's not Archie and that's not the Archie comics and that's also not Riverdale. Right. We're still supposed to like him enough, but it's supposed to be endearing. I don't think they're getting that on the head. And I think it's difficult to do when you're in this real world, kind of hyper real world, um, murder mystery genre. I feel like they chose a really tough, while interesting, and obviously we enjoy it, so it's why we watch the show, but to turn the Archie comic into this is very difficult to do while still keeping Archie true to his original comic character. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. Cause the show also, it's like, it's not enough. It's not enough. uh, uh, It's not a big enough world. I'm trying to figure out how to, because like with, um, with Sabrina, uh, there's magic and stuff like that. So the characters have more room to like reach and like be different, and that and that keeps them closer to their comic book characters, I would assume. But also allows you to like live in this world, this darker world that they chose to tell it through. And with Riverdale, since we're kind of stuck to real world, um. Like, there's not any supernatural element or anything like that. I know for, after the first season, I was, like, stoked because I thought maybe there'd be zombies. I was like, oh, that'd be fucking cool because there's also Archie comics that have zombies. But they didn't choose to lend themselves to that. So we're really confined to real world, like, expectations. And at real world expectations, Archie is a bumbling idiot. Yeah. And that's not interesting to watch. Yeah, it's... 
really, yeah, it's really annoying. I don't know if this is going to be a theme that's going on from now until eternity or, or what. Maybe Archie will actually go through that change that he's talked about going through and they tried to show him going through for the past, like, ten episodes. Yeah, and having a look as well, it looks like we've got about seven or eight more episodes before the end of the season, and I need them to tie shit up. Like, it's kind of like a little bit with Game of Thrones, and don't hate me for saying this, I love the show, but let's be real, we have watched how many seasons? Four, I think, of Game of Thrones, maybe? Uh, No, there are seven seasons, there will be eight. I just rewatched through seven so so i have watched all seven seasons don't ask me why i thought there were only four but let's be real episode from episode one to now they're they just are walking like if you go back and you watch them they all set out from this journey and they just walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and they eventually get somewhere but it's not where they're meant to be so they keep walking and then they walk some more, and now we're going to have another season of them walking and probably dying. Well, until you get to season seven, and then everyone moves at the speed of light, and ravens can fly with super speed, and everything's super fast because they're trying to wrap up the show. Right. <laughs> right. And I, I just say, though, personally, and it's because I am a new fan of D&D, um, but have always loved fantasy and do love Game of Thrones. And especially with doing my rewatch, which I think was really helpful, I I watched the first few seasons uh, streaming style, and then I started watching the show week to week as it was coming out. Um, so I haven't watched it streaming style in a long time. So going back and doing my rewatch from like season three, which is I think about when I started to watch it live and on, was really helpful because you get to see episode to episode. Right. The things that tie together and, oh, this person said that and it directly is the reason why this happened. And it's way more interesting that way. I think it's really, I think Game of Thrones is a better show when you binge it than when you watch it week to week. Because you can't put those pieces together. Because there's literally a moment where you've watched season seven. Yeah. Okay, this is a spoiler. So um, for season six? For season six, end of season six-ish. So if you are listening and you don't want to be spoiled, you need to skip ahead. But I just, my mind is still blown about this and I just watched it recently. But there is a conversation that Cersei has with Lady Olena, um, Olena Tyrell, after mm-hmm. uh, Cersei is freed from the Sept in season six. You know when... Uh, yeah, yeah. I know when you're... All, all that stuff. So she has a conversation with Lady Olena and she's like, hey... We need to work together, and if we work together, we can save Loras and Marjorie. And like, we just need to unite against the Sparrow. It's stupid that we've been working against each other. It's what he wants, and this is better for us to do if we work together. And Elena goes, "Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I don't care. I'm not gonna help you. I'm not gonna work with you. We're gonna do it on our own." And just basically like lays into Cersei and is like, "I'll never forget the th- things that you've done to my family." And blah 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 blah. And Cersei takes it, and she goes, okay, all right. Turns around, kills off her entire family, because she yeah. that sept on fire. Um, yeah. And if and if Elena had not had that anger and had actually listened to Cersei and worked with Cersei, that wouldn't have happened. And, like, it's such an interesting thing to watch, because that was probably an episode or two before we see what Cersei's going to do. I don't know. Sorry. That's such a big digression. You can delete this from the entire episode. I'm just... No, I'm going to leave it. It's, I, all, our listeners, all like six of them, need to know what big old nerds you and I are. Like, I'm just nerding out about it still because I was like, oh my god, she like gave her an out and she didn't take it. So then her whole family died. I, I was about to say, I guess that's how we learn, but we don't learn because everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah, because now everyone's dead and like, yeah, everybody's dead. Oh my god, that's so funny. Um, My next note about this episode of Riverdale, and not about Game of Thrones, um, (laughs) is that 
you know, of course Gladys sings because fucking everybody sings in this show. But what made me laugh is as she was singing, I was like, I wonder if she's a singer. Like, I wonder if, like, that's her background, which is why they're now showing it in the show. So I got on IMDb and uh, did a little research and discovered, have you ever seen Showgirls, the movie Showgirls? No, I haven't. Okay, it's fucking awful, but it's like kind of become this cult phenomena because it was so bad. Um, it's about this girl. I can't remember where she's from, but she like moves to LA or somewhere and basically becomes a showgirl, but like a glorified stripper. You know, there's loads of like nudity and drugs and trying to like one up each other. And Gladys is in this clearly not as Gladys um what's the actress's name what's Gladys's no no idea I don't remember oh you said it last episode and I was on the tip of my tongue whatever she's in showgirls but this the the movie there's this very famous scene where um the girl the new like up-and-coming girl wants the spot of this main dancer now the main dancer is um is the actress that plays Gladys and she like slips on these pearls because this new up-and-comer like throws pearls onto the stage and she like slips and then she's in this massive accident and I think it's like right at the end of the film I don't know it's been a long time since I've seen it this new up-and-comer dancer and the actress that played Gladys have this like little make-out session whoa because I was I was like I said researching to see if she came from a background as a singer and then fell down this rabbit hole and was like oh god I'm stuck back in the the awfulness that is showgirls oh and speaking of um the show that you talked about before what you're gonna say Saved by the Bell yep there's that 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 one girl is the lead girl in it yeah, and I know um, she got a lot of shit for doing Showgirls. I mean, rightly so. It's a terrible movie. But she played such a good girl on Saved by the Bell, and I think a lot of people were like, she was trying to shed that image, but she, like, went drastic. Yeah, and, like, it looks like it. I'm looking up the movie now. And also, speaking of Twin Peaks, that guy's in it. What guy? The- oh, yeah! Her love interest in Showgirls. Oh, my God. Have we just, like, cracked the code to how they write for this show? <laughs> I guess. That also has to do with showgirls, I guess. The, oh my God. the connection was, like, way easier than uh, that six degrees to Kevin Bacon or whatever. Yeah, this is, like, six degrees to showgirls. This is, like, or- two degrees. This is literally one degree to, to showgirls. Or this is, like, showgirls plus... Twin Peaks equals Riverdale. That would be the mathematical equation if we were going to try and do it that way. I really hope that that's not, that's not, not it. I hope not either. Girl, when we're done recording today, go watch the trailer for Showgirls. It's fucking awful. Okay, I will. <laughs> it's the worst bullshit ever. Um, shout out to my friend Guy if you're listening when he and I were in Singapore on contract with Universal there, uh, it was his birthday and he wanted to have a showgirls movie watching night. And so everyone came over to his house and we sat down, we all had beer and chips and everything. And we watched this movie. And I remember sitting there being like, it's so terrible, but I can't fucking turn away. It's just you have to watch it. You have to. And then we can do a whole episode about it if you want to. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. All right. Getting back to Riverdale. What? Oh God. What are your thoughts about Kevin and the farm and all this stuff that he's going through? Oh, I just feel bad for Kevin. I, I think I said it last episode. I understand why this happened. Literally none of his friends were there for him when he went through a hard thing and and all that stuff. And I thought it was really interesting that when somebody 
It must have been Betty. Uh, talk to, um, talk to Josie about it. And Josie was like, yeah, I know. I hadn't told. She said Mr. Keller, which I was like, I think you can tell, you can call him Tom now. He's like your stepdad. Um, I, I think I'm going to tell Mr. Keller and my mom about it. I haven't yet or whatever. I was like, yeah, yeah. please. Can you tell his parents that he's in a cult? That would be great. Um, like, yeah, don't walk. And then when he, when they were all set up and like in the forest or whatever, going to walk over the, the um, stones, maybe it's, I mean, Betty's 15, 16 or something. So maybe she doesn't know, but I, I kind of, I remember being aware of it at the time, but that's a, that's a thing that people do. The walking over hot coals, like that's not really that weird. So no, but I think that in that context, it's meant to be bad. You know, people can do it now under supervision and things like that. And, you know, it, it's not I mean, oh, as... Yeah, they're kids. They're unsupervised in the forest. Like, that's pretty bad. But, like, still... It is doable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's... Yeah, but I think Riverdale is showing it to be something far more dangerous and reckless than in reality would actually be. Yeah. Um, my note about Kevin is it was an interesting word. He called Betty a detractor, yeah. which I I know what it means, but I Googled for the definition regardless because I was like, why use that word? Why not say like she's a distraction or she's like being negative or she's not supportive? And I think that word was like, it had the desired effect, I'm sure, on me that the writers intended because I was like, ooh, detractor. That's such an interesting word to call somebody. And that is totally the language that I would that I would expect the farm to impart on their, you know, people. Yeah, I think we've heard it before. I could be totally wrong. And maybe it was a different word that sounded that had this that had a similar like context or something that Polly used for for her sister I feel like but yeah we we saw it with Polly and then Alice um we definitely see it with Enid or whatever her name is I don't really even know her name <laughs> sure 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 whatever um <laughs> that chick um we've seen it with her she definitely has like a certain vocab and now we're seeing it with Kevin and yeah that was the first time we we saw him or heard him um, kind of use that language towards Betty or in general. Um, but yeah, it's definitely that weird cult like thing of like where you all have the same language because you're being preached to about a certain thing and now you're putting it into context in your own life. It reminds me too of, and I'll try not to digress again because it's happened a lot this episode, um, but in Friends when all the girls read that book and they're like, my wins or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Ah. Wait, what? So in Friends, the the girls, they all like read a book and it's about like feminism basically, but it has really weird wording and they're like, it might not be my wins, but it's something like you're trying to take my, my wins or something. It's weird. And, uh, but it's basically like a, fe a feminism empowerment book or whatever. But it, the language of that reminds me of like cult-ish language where like you all have weird terms for like things that already exist in the world okay sure I yeah I don't understand the origins of that comment like as in being from friends I, I I'm not familiar with it but I look get yeah I'll have to go and watch that episode but I get what you mean I get what you're referring to it's yeah oh I, I just I want this cult story to just be fucking done they're dragging it out too fucking much it's driving me nuts. Yeah, I think, I mean, because we've been hinted at the cult storyline literally since season one, and I am a girl who loves her slow burns, um, usually in terms of, like, ships that I ship. Um, I don't mind a, a good slow burn, but it's got to be good. And the issue with this one is that, like, we are now finally, in the last, like, two or three episodes, getting content for, like, this cult we're seeing cult members we're seeing what they do we're seeing how they get people into their fold but it's all kind of out of order and it's all kind of backwards 
and it's happening a little too late, especially, you know, for you, I'm like still kind of into it because I'm so curious to see where this goes, but I think they didn't really lay it out for us the right way and definitely are giving us, it's a little bit of too little too late kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. I'm kind of like, "Mm, I'm over it. I need to see it now, 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 now. And I'm scared because we've got like seven or eight more episodes before this season is done. I'm so scared. We're not going to see it because six or seven or seven or eight episodes is not enough time to see out in an entire cult story and then see it be, you know, disbanded. Yeah. Especially when we still, still haven't wrapped the gargoyle bullshit. Oh God, they've got a lot to tie up. I mean, and Riverdale is really good at tying things up very quickly and where, you know, you as the audience don't feel cheated, but like for real, for real, but it's, hurry up. It's a lot. Yeah. If we don't see Edgar this season, I don't know. Dot, dot, dot. It's not good. We'll see. Exactly. I only have two more notes. Um, one, again, is just an observation. Um, my heart, when Luke Perry walked in oh. and had Archie, I was like, it hurts me so much that we're not, with our time seeing him on our screen is is limited. That really, like, that got me in the, in all the feels. Um, but my very last note, was what happened with the burning of the house? Like, I I feel like Betty did it. Oh, Betty did it. But it was left so open that perhaps it could have also just been a coincidence. No, she did it. Yeah, because I think the way she was behaving with Jughead where she's like, yeah, I am calm. Like, things are good now. I am, you know, cheerful. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, because she feels like she's cleansed yeah. the bad juju because she's burnt the house down. Yeah, and also that she, you know, she has, like, no control right now over her life. Like, her mom and her sister are off the rails. Her dad is in jail. Um, and none of her friends are there for her, which is great. Yeah. Um, although we did see the core four together in this episode for the first time in probably this season. Um, and... Um, I also feel like that was the first time Veronica and Archie have been in the same room since uh, their breakup and they were totally fine, which was weird. Yeah, they were totally fine. And does anyone know that Josie and Archie are dating? I feel like they must know. I doubt Archie's not subtle. So like, there's no way he's not. Yeah, they just don't talk because they're not really friends. (laughs) fucking weird it's just weird i just i just really hope they reel it back in it's like mess instead of focusing on the core four and on finishing and like if they want to like stretch out this gargoyles thing because it's attached to the farm in some way or something like that i can jive with that if if it has purpose and if it's going to have a good um if it's going to be like nice and climactic and like have some good payoff and feel cathartic. Um, But instead of doing that and focusing on the core four and their friendship, even if they're not all together in relationships or whatever, um, instead of doing that, they went off about the pretty poisons and that bullshit. And like, we're going all over the place and weird stuff. And it's, it's annoying. It's so annoying. When I could easily see how they could like, I don't know focus on these four characters who are meant to be the four characters that we're supposed to root for and friends together. It's just a mess at the moment. And I just really hope that we see it all sort of come to fruition by the end of the season, but we've got eight episodes to turn this shit around. We've got eight episodes to see Edgar. We've got eight episodes to fuck this G and G story right off. Yeah. And I just really hope they do it. Yeah. Um, my last kind of notes are just like little quippy thoughts. Um, sure. At one point, Veronica says, 
we have to like keeping the secret of Le Bon Nui. Like I think they're talking to their their wait staff or whatever. And I was like, is Le Bon Nui? Is that that's not a secret? Like we're no, that's not a secret. Um, I just thought that was funny. Um, I do. Ridiculous. Oh, I thought it was funny also that Veronica was super into like setting up a casino in her bar, which she was super against bringing gambling to Riverdale just like a season or two ago. So that's interesting. She's desperate though. She's desperate. It was so less of that and more of her really wanting to do it. I didn't see desperation in that. She she had a choice and she she made it. Um yeah, true. Uh, I put, ooh, I forgot that Alice told them all that. That's really going to complicate things. Yeah, that's really... But, I mean, it would be his word, their word versus her word. So she could be like, okay, fuck you. I'm going to publish this. Go nuts. But then the problem is Alice is that variable where she would come forward and be like, yes, absolutely, I killed this guy. I you know, did the, all this stuff. And, like, she would ruin everything. Would she? Because she seems to think... Because I remember when when we found out that she had told them all this stuff, that Alice was very much like, no, they would never tell, like, da-da-da-da-da. I don't know. I don't know if she would take well to it. Maybe now at this point, since she's so far in it. That's what I but mean. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I don't know. So Also, like, does this... Just because Betty can't publish it doesn't mean Jughead couldn't. Right. I think they forget that they've got each other. I feel like they forget they're in a relationship or that they even know each other. I know. Um, I know. My last note is from when they have Fang hang, Fangs hanging upside down. And the, the creepy kid who was on the 100. Hey, hey, dude, what's up? Nice seeing you again. Um, uh, yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. Um, he says, you'll fly too. And I was like, hey, we all float down here. <laughs> I didn't make that connection, which is ironic because I absolutely love Yeah, it. I thought maybe you might. I was wondering if you did. I feel like it is a definite call to that. Like, you'll float too. I feel like it's definitely a, a call to that. I don't know why it's very well, random, but why not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? I didn't pick it. Didn't pick it, but thank you for bringing that to my attention. Yeah. I like that. Dare I ask what you give this episode? So when I watched it, I actually enjoyed this episode more than I enjoyed talking about this episode. <laughs> I agree. I don't know why. Yeah. Watching, I'm watching it, though, I had a better experience, especially because I enjoyed the music choices, except for I didn't really talk about the Gladys thing. I, I didn't care for that at all. I hated it. Um, that's my... That's literally all I need to say about it. I hated it very much. Um, but I liked, mm. other than that, the music choices for background music I thought were interesting. I thought we got some great Betty stuff, which is all I need. Um, and I love that she is just one step closer to being a serial killer like her father. She's going to get that trifecta just summed up real quick with that arson to start it out. We're one step closer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she went yeah. to her bed as a kid, so maybe we've already got two down. She just needs to mutilate uh, an animal. An animal, and yeah, I, I'm wondering if we see like the return of, of Betty Squared. Yeah. Of Betty Squared. So did you, did you say your actual grade and I missed oh, it? No, I didn't. You're right. But you also said the return of Betty Squared. What do you mean? Oh, sorry, not of Betty Squared. That's that's the that's, name of our podcast. Of Dark Betty. Of Dark Betty. One is the same. Dark Betty and Betty Squared, very similar. <laughs> There's too many Bettys in our life, Heidi. There's too many. And still not enough. Still not enough. Um, no, I didn't say I the grade. I would say, what did I even score my last one? I don't even remember. I think you gave it a C. Oh, we didn't, we didn't do a grade. We didn't. We we gave that a miss last week because we wanted to talk a little bit more about um, Luke and his passing. Yes. Um, so I'm going to give this one a C. <laughs> Girl, I'm doing the same thing. I am like a C plus, maybe, maybe just a standard C. Not a minus. Not a minus. But like 
Um, for every reason that you've already said, yes, I enjoyed watching this episode. The second time was a bit of a struggle. Um, I enjoyed watching this episode more than I did talking about it. And as I was watching it, I was like, this is going to be a tough one to talk about because I'm not sure my thoughts translate about this episode. But I just, I want everything to just kind of start to come to a head. There's, there's still introducing new characters. They're still introducing more storylines. You know, we still, we've got Jellybean back, you know, going, oh, mom, you know, I've got him wrapped around my little finger. Cool. What is she doing? You know, like there's, there's still so much that is being introduced and we're so late in the season. So I'm hoping that come this next episode next week that like things start kind of tying up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But what would Betty do this episode? And I think I can answer this for the first time in my life. I'm ready. You ready for it? She'd burn the motherfucking house down. (laughs) So there's, there's this, um, not to digress once again. Oh my God, we're almost done. And I, I'm sorry to do this. There's a really hilarious moment in the D and D campaign, uh, called critical role that I've been obsessed with. And basically the gnome bard goes into a house full of villains, like full of enemies on his own. And at one point he just is like, I'm going to kill everybody in this motherfucking house. And, it's like, <laughs> and that's what I felt like for Betty in this moment. She's just going to in this motherfucking house, but set it on fire. I love it. Well, on that, uh, on that very, uh, crazy end of burning down the motherfucking house Mm -hmm. um we should sign off so have a great week everybody we will be back next week with another episode of betty squared or whatever this is or the dark betty returns nonsense that i don't know we'll see what happens next week we may not (laughs) even be back next week who knows it's gonna be it's gonna be an adventure oh jesus (laughs) what is my life All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.